0: Welcome back to the Alpha Male podcast. The podcast where we talk about what it means to be an alpha male the right way with God at the center with Judeo-Christian values. So saddle up and get ready to bump your testosterone up a couple notches. Today we're going to be talking about firepower versus mobility. Before we get into the episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review. And please check us out at GoodShepherdTraining.com With that, I'll plug in the bio. you want to skip it, skip around 3 minutes and 45 seconds from where it starts. Who am I? First and foremost, I am a servant of God and a follower of Jesus Christ. God is number one in my life and everything that I do in this podcast is no different. And I don't apologize for that. A little bit about me in the background, I grew up, I guess what you would consider a heathen, didn't grow up a Christian, but I grew up in the southeastern United States, what most would consider very poor, hunting and fishing and shooting. Joined the Marine Corps at 17, did a couple of combat tours in Iraq. After my combat tours in Iraq, I was an urban warfare instructor for the United States Marine Corps under Mojave Viper i also served in law enforcement for several years in lapd i worked patrol assignments and more specialized assignments where by god's grace he got me through some nasty places in this world of war zones and some of the nastiest streets in the country not because i am better because god chose that mercy on me and had a purpose for me and i'm thankful for that after my time in law enforcement i was a private contractor for federal government for a three-letter government agency i won't specify doing private contracting work i'm very much involved in guns and gunfighting. i also serve in the u.s army both full-time and part-time national guard i should say my primary mos is in both branches of the military or infantry as of one sort or another specialized infantry in the marine corps and an mos that no longer exists I started competition shooting even before I joined the Marine Corps at 17. I won my first gold medal even before I joined the Marine Corps at 17. I've been blessed by God with the talents he's given me to win more shooting competitions than I can remember. I've won most of my competitions in rifle and pistol, but I've also competed in archery and shotgun and even muzzleloader. Knife throwing, hatchet throwing, I've competed in all that. I've also been a professional big game hunter and guide. Like I said, I grew up hunting and and fishing and shooting. I've done it to put meat on the table because I like to put food on the table with the talents God's given me. I don't apologize for that. I've done it as a professional hunter and guide. I've slain all manner of beasts and guided for all manner of beasts. Bear and wolf and elk and deer, mule deer, white-tailed deer. I've slain ram. And fallow deer and countless animals. And I don't apologize for that either. FBI certified firearms instructor, NRA and a bunch of other three-letter government agency certifications. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Psalm 144. I've been blessed to be the commander of a tactical team, an SRT special response team in a large metropolitan area, where our primary job was to stop active shooters. But again, first and foremost, I am a servant of God, called by God to share the good news, preacher, a fisher of men. Air Power versus Mobility Now this is a question really any military organization asks itself. Likewise you as an individual, as a warrior, whatever kind of warrior that might be. And even in other aspects of life that we'll get into. Firepower versus mobility. It's obviously a trade-off. You get too far down one road, you give up the other. So you have to balance that. Just like you might as a man do a brief risk versus reward analysis for a decision you're going to make. Likewise, for tactical things, perhaps consider a firepower versus mobility. Quick assessment. If you're in charge of a group, perhaps for a group, but especially for yourself. Let me start out with a pretty poor example. I was a Marine. I was a Marine going into war when the war started in Iraq. In my opinion, we had way too much stuff on us. And the amount of stuff I carried at times was more than I actually weighed. Way too far on the firepower. Way too much on the gear versus the mobility. And I think the Marine Corps, the Army, later came to realize that in the battlefields of Iraq and Afghanistan... That they just had way too much stuff on them. And we're kind of getting outmaneuvered, you know, by the Taliban, by ISIS, by whomever, you know, because a Marine with a hundred and some pounds of kit on cannot maneuver, no matter how strong he is, as fast as an Afghani or an Iraqi with a man dress and an AK. Going to the other end of that. The Zulu Warriors, some of the greatest warriors, if you go back and listen to one of the very earliest episodes, maybe maybe like the first five or ten episodes, the greatest warriors in history, the Zulus are on there. I kind of revere the Zulus. I read or heard, I forget which, that a Zulu warrior could run 50 miles in a day and fight a battle when he got there. I took this as inspiration, and one time, between jobs, I trained up, and by God's grace, I did go a little over 50 miles, 52 miles, I believe it was, maybe a little bit more, 50-something miles in a day, on foot, with a firearm. That's a lot of mobility. But they had spears. And you know what? It They eventually did lose the to the colonization of the... I British Empire, I believe it may have been the Boers and or the Boers. But they were really put a hurting on you know, British with modern cartridge guns and superior firepower because they had that good mobility. Now obviously rawhide shields and spears, not the best thing. They probably could have been a little bit more on the firepower. But they used what they had and they used it to create effect. Likewise, you can see this as a police officer. Some things you kind of have to carry. But you'll see some cops that are kind of minimalist and some cops that kind of have every whiz-bang gadget that they can have. Obviously, you know, you have to have your radio. You have to have a pair of handcuffs. Your firearm. Spare magazine. You'll see some cops that have way more than that. They have like three flashlights. and Two batons. You know, multiple pairs of handcuffs. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's their individual choice. When I was the commander of a tactical team, a special response team, I gave my guys great freedom and the amount of kit they did or did not carry. And I saw a lot of guys going to the extreme end and carrying all kinds of crazy stuff. And I would have a talk with them and explain it to them kind of like this. It would not have been outside the realm of possibility. And in fact, we would have had to have do it to move very quickly you know, a mile or more quickly in tactical gear. You know, I put it to him, something like this, I don't remember verbatim, but if somebody's shooting a crowd of people, every bit of kit that you have on you slows you down from getting there and stopping that threat. Do you want to get there 30 seconds earlier with two magazines or get there 30 seconds later and who knows how many people have died since then with three magazines? Obviously, there's a balancing act to this. You don't want to go running in a pair of silkies and tennis shoes and a toothpick. You'd get there pretty quick, but that toothpick's not going to do you much good when you get there. Likewise, you can get loaded down with so much kit that people are just dying because you can't run with that much kit on. I don't care how good a runner you are. If you reduce the amount of crap you have on you, you can run faster. And that's what I'm talking about with firepower versus mobility. Now, apply this to you, many of you listening are are CCW, concealed carry. One of my criteria for my everyday carry gun, and I usually carry a full-size gun, is can I run with it? I mean, like, can I sprint with it? Not is it comfortable to sprint, not do I want to be doing wind sprints in it, but can I sprint with that gun and not have it fall out, not have it flop around, and not have it be so heavy that it stops me from running? That's one of my criteria. And I like to carry a full-size gun, but, and I love a 1911, and I love a double-stack STI. When I was an SRT commander and I wore a big war belt, I could run with a gun that big. But now that I can still carry you know, an M17, a P226, that's about as big and heavy as I feel comfortable running and sprinting with. So I would have you consider that as well. Consider your choices, not just the size and the weight of the gun, but how it actually is on your body and can you run with it? Because, yeah, you may, obviously, we carry CCW guns because there is evil in the world and we may have to stop evil either on ourselves or on other people. But it's far more likely that you're going to have to run than have to use a gun. And even if you have to use a gun, I guess RT, just like in the Marine Corps, we're trained to run towards gunfire. You know, when gunfire starts happening, we run to it, we run into the danger. You're going to have to run into it, probably, unless it happens right in front of you. Or it may not even be a gun situation. You may just have to run away from something. Running is probably far more likely than you having to use your gun. And not just running. You know, can you climb a fence? Is your kit in such a way that you can climb a fence that you can jump a wall? What about being in the prone, being supine? you know can you crawl things like this you should consider and you should practice with your firearm with your go-to defensive gun you know shooting on your back shooting on your side shooting from the prone shooting a pistol from the prone is a good stable position also that may be some of the best cover if you're let's say using the curb of a street as cover and as a rest for your firearm or shooting underneath a vehicle Can you do that with the kit that you have? Let's take this in another direction. Likely many of you listening are what we would call survivalists. And I don't shy away from that term. I'm here breathing. You're here breathing if you're listening. So we're both survivors. I don't apologize for that. I don't care what negative connotations are. I'm not going to get all... You know, 1984 and change the meaning of words because people don't like them. We're survivalists and many of you out there taught yourselves as survivalists and you should be happy about that. Think about this in terms of your bug out bag, in terms of your kit. Again, can you run with it? Not as it comfortable. I don't like running with a bug out bag. I purposely picked a bag that wasn't too big. I believe mine is the Eberly Stock Gunrunner in Loden couple of good things about that pack. It is a good full-size pack. I'm sure God will provide for me if I ever had to just go with that bag. I would have everything, more than I needed in there. But it's small enough that I can run with it. It's also narrower than my body so that I can fit and squeeze into tight places. I can climb with it. I've got a good buddy who I like a lot. He's a great buddy. He's one of my good prepper buddies. But we went on a mock bug out one time and I it was probably less than a mile with his bug out bag with our bug out bags and less than a mile who's like yeah i'm done i can't do this and that's the guy's bug out bag like if you can't make it a mile why do you even have a bug out bag it's obviously too big and too heavy again if you can't run with it it's too heavy it's far more likely you know we carry a gun because we may need it and if you know if the peanut butter and chocolate hits the fan, it's probably more likely that we're going to need a firearm. I totally concede that. Probably much more likely than it is today. Just like it's more violent in third world countries a lot of times. But it's more likely still that you're going to have to run. Whether that's to neutralize a threat, to maneuver on a threat, which is a, a firearm maneuver is a thing it has been doctored for a long time. Ever since we got schooled by the Germans with their stormtrooper tactics. you know, Fire and maneuver, maneuverability is a big thing. If you get outmaneuvered, a lot of times it doesn't matter how good your firepower is if you get outmaneuvered. So it's very likely you're going to have to run to a threat, to maneuver to a threat, or just run away from something. Or move to where the food is. Move to where the water is. And survival a lot of times is a game of calories, a game of math calories. How much are you expending versus how much are you getting? I live in a world now with surplus calories. How much are you expending to get from place to place? I don't want to carry weight besides the ammo and stuff that I need and a few odds and ends. I want calories. I'm getting a little bit off topic. Don't carry so much that you can't move. I want to be able to follow food and water. If you look at you nomadic know, societies, that's what they do a lot. They're highly mobile and they follow the food source. They follow the water. So I'd say give a good hard look at your bug out bag. I think as preppers, I see a lot of times, just like I saw more on the tactical teams, people swing more towards the firepower and less towards the mobility. Make sure you're looking at that with sober eyes to see if you're striking the right balance. Perhaps it's time for your kit to go on a diet. One thing I'll say, perhaps it's time for you to go on a diet. You may not like that, but that makes it even worse. The more out of shape you are, the less stuff you can carry. Don't just be like, well, I can't run, so I'm just going to carry a bunch of stuff. Buddy, who's been in physical fights will tell you what an exhausting thing that is. If you can't, you know, run up a flight of stairs, you probably can't run up a flight of stairs with body armor. If you can't do a couple of wind sprints without throwing up, you probably don't want to add body armor to your kit. Maybe if you want to have it for like in your house or something, but the odds of you being able to put that on if somebody's breaking into your house. Pretty low, telling you not to have it, have what you want. But I'm just saying if you can't move quickly now, adding body armor is probably not the right answer because you're going to be even slower and an even easier target. I've been blessed to have some very good training in my life. And one of the things that I heard that always stuck with me is If you were the bad guy, what would you want the other person to do? And then don't do that thing. Let's say you have the opportunity at two targets in a threat scenario. The peanut butter and chocolate has hit the fan. You're going down an alley. You have one guy that's sprinting between cover, from cover to cover. Like sprinting, getting a couple shots off and sprinting to another place. Versus the guy that's just walking down the alley with body armor on. Which one would you think you'd be likelier to hit? That's just walking with body armor on. Lots of places to hit the body armor doesn't cover. Probably far easier to hit that dude. The dude that's sprinting and taking cover. So what do you want your opponent to do? Your adversary to do? Do you want him to be slow and cumbersome? Yes of course. So you don't be that guy. Let me come at you with another scenario. Let's say... You have an adversary in the woods. You're pinned against each other, man versus man. One adversary, She quickly sprinting, fleeing from tree to tree, taking cover, and then disappears. Because he's low crawling in a ditch, in the mud, quietly. Not exposing himself again until he is close to you and has a good shot on you. Versus another adversary who's moving through the woods with a giant pack and a bunch of body armor whose head's down and who's wheezing because he's having a hard time making it up a hill. Which adversary would you rather face? Now again, flip that around. Which one of those men would you rather be? Even if the guy with his head down wheezing, making a bunch of noise because he's tired. Even if that guy's got twice as much ammo... Which one of those men would you rather be? Which one do you think is a more worthy, more challenging adversary? So think about that. Think about how you can or cannot move with your kit. Now let's step out of the tactical realm for a while. Let's talk about other stuff that this applies to, firepower versus mobility. How about hunting? Do this quick analysis, you know, do you want to be able to cover more ground quickly? This may not apply to you if you hunt back east and you only have an acre or two to hunt, or you sit in a stand, then obviously your mobility is zero. So it really doesn't matter, you might as well have a big heavy rifle. But if you spot and stalk hunt or still hunt somewhere in the wilderness, somewhere where you're covering a lot of ground, You know, generally on a lighter rifle, you give some stuff up. I generally hunt with Kimbers, a Kimber Adirondack or a Kimber Hunter. My Kimber Adirondack rifle, I want to say, weighs less than four pounds, maybe less than five pounds. It's a light, light rifle. Now, yeah, I can't shoot, you know, five, ten shot groups because the barrel is so thin it'll start to string groups pretty quickly. I have to wait a long time for the barrel to cool down. I give that up. I give that firepower up, but I gain a great amount of mobility and flexibility. Likewise, with the optic that I run, I usually run LPVOs. I like Leopold's and the max power 4-5 to power range. That's where a lot of people's hunting scopes start. But it gives me a high degree of mobility. Do I give some magnification up? Yes. It's much easier to make a snapshot for me with that than a Ruger Precision Rifle and a giant 4-12 to scope or even higher than that. And I like the mobility aspect of that. I like being able to cover a lot of ground. And to not get fatigued, that's a big thing. I can, if I am still hunting and I hear or see a deer in the area and I'm waiting for a shot, I can hold that you know, 5-pound Kimber Adirondack up a lot longer than somebody could hold up a Ruger Precision Rifle with a, with a big scope on it. But I'm fully willing to admit that I give some stuff up. I get more recoil out of the same cartridge because it's such a light rifle. I give up the higher-end magnification. And that's kind of the point of the firepower versus mobility. It is a trade off. You know, I could hunt with a I could hunt with my scar, my scar 17. It's a 308. It's a fine rifle. It's ridiculously accurate. It's not crazy heavy, but it probably weighs almost double what my Kimber Adirondack does. It's got a fine scope that would be fine for hunting. On it, probably better than probably a better hunting scope than the scope that I hunt with. It's a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier. I'm stuck in one place on a stand or something like that. Maybe a heavier rifle makes sense. Let's take this to something not even gun related. Let's take this to fishing. If you like to shore fish, fish off a bank. If you bring a giant tackle box and a bunch of rods, you're not walking very far, and if you do, you have to keep going back wherever you grounded your gear at. If you take a rod and reel, if you take a couple of your favorite lures in a kit that'll fit in your pocket, and walk all up and down that river, all around that lake, and fish it, you can cover a lot more ground because you have a higher mobility because you're not weighed down with all the stuff. So I hope this episode has made you think about the firepower versus mobility trade-offs. And I think a lot of times, especially as Americans, we kind of look for stuff to solve our problems. We keep piling on more and more stuff whether it's to make us feel safe from a perceived threat, to fill some hole in our soul that we're not getting the way we should be getting. We try and fill it with stuff. Nothing wrong with stuff. I got a lot of nice stuff. I'm very blessed and I'm very thankful for all the stuff that God's given me. But stuff is not the answer to every problem. And sometimes more is less. You get to the point where more stuff is actually a detriment and is hindering you from your goal, whether that's hunting, whether that's being an effective gunfighter, whether that's fishing a creek. Whatever that goal may be for you. Sometimes we get to the point where the stuff actually hinders us instead of helps us. And if you're honest and circumspect, I think you might come to realize that. With that man, I'm going to say thanks for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Podcast. If you like this episode or any of the others, if you can, whichever platform you're listening to this on, leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe. God's grace, hopefully some big announcements coming up soon on the podcast. And again, if you want more and want to support, go to GoodShepherdTraining.com. There's a Patreon link on there. The number one reason I want you to go to Patreon and support is because you believe in this message, because you believe in the ministry of making stronger, better men. If you look around in society and think, yeah, there's some masculinity missing in our society today. Hopefully, you think this ministry is worth supporting. And hopefully, you'll consider going to GoodShepherdTraining.com and clicking on the Patreon link. With that, and as a thank you for staying tuned till the end of the episode, the Tactical Tip of the Day. So, I went out Cody hunting today with my good buddy Alexander Hamilton, my Rhodesian Ridgeback. Stand by for a quick pup date. He's a little over nine months old. And I haven't weighed him in a while. Hamilton weighs 105 pounds. He really is a great dog. I've been very blessed with him. He's the best dog I've ever had. And I've raised quite a few dogs. My father raised rabbit dogs, beagles. I used to run Akitas before I got him a Rhodesian Ridgeback. But if you're looking for a good all-around survival dog for hunting, for guarding, for just a great buddy to have. I would highly look at the Rhodesian Ridge back. Anyway, we went coyote hunting today. <laughs> Brief aside there. We went coyote hunting today. I promise there's a tactical tip in here somewhere. And I did this, and you may remember in the beginning I mentioned I was a professional hunter and guide, and I do this all the time. I guess I forget about it, but you step out of the car, you find some kind of odoriferous plant where you are. Maybe it's pine needles. Maybe if you're out west, it's sage. Maybe it's sassafras. Doesn't really matter. You take that plant, you crush it up so whatever the stuff in there is that smells, you break it all up so it smells even more. And you rub it in your hair, on your neck, in your armpits, in your crotch. Then you might take some more and cuff your pants. Like you did when you were a kid and you had pants that were too big. And you cuff your pants and you throw a bunch of that stuff in your pant cuffs just to dispel your scent. Likewise, you take some of it, throw it on the ground, and and uh, rub your shoes in it. Because likely you've stepped in something that makes your feet smell. Makes the bottom of your soles smell. Likewise, if you're walking through some elk droppings, some cow dung, whatever. You step in it, you rub it all over the bottom of your shoes dispelling your scent plus if you have a wife like mine she really likes it when you come home smelling like a wild man (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you're gonna hear her laugh on the audio or not but uh, but anyway it's certainly the alpha move so just taking a plant that smells you don't need any of that crazy scent lock stuff you don't need any of the crazy aftermarket scents you don't need to spray yourself with deer urine unless you're just into that Just take some pine needles, take some of whatever, pretty much anywhere you're probably going to find pine needles. Break them up, get that smell, rub it all over you. It certainly isn't going to hurt. It's a cheap, easy way to hopefully up the success of your hunting adventure. Since we talked about mobility today, I've probably used this as a tactical verse before, but I think it's fitting for today and it's one of the ones by God's grace to try and read every day. You'll find this in Psalm 18. God is my strength and power. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Thanks men. Have a blessed day.